You're listening to Smart Businesses Do This. Today, I'm joined by a good buddy of mine by the name of Eric Van Horn. Now, Eric is not only an incredible business owner and expert at helping other business owners grow their companies, but he specializes in one of the most unique forms of business in the world, the world of franchising. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. Eric, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Adam, so good to be here, buddy. <laughs> Dude, this, this is so great, by the way. I, I appreciate it. And you may notice a few people popping in and out. We have a bunch of uh, live attendees that sometimes get to listen in to hear. Um, would you mind just explaining to people just a, a brief history of like, who are you? Why are you good at business? And what the hell is a franchise? <laughs> Absolutely. So I am a, a straight C student, didn't go to law school because I would have probably failed law school, <laughs> bought a house, flipped it, made some, made about 30 grand, rolled that into my first franchise. And then eventually went, uh, took that from four stores to 12 stores to buying an area, uh, area development in Austin, Texas, near you in Bastrop called yep. Liberty Tax. And uh, we grew that to 42 stores in Austin and sold that back to the parent company. Since then, uh, that was about 10 years ago, I exited. I've had about seven uh, other franchises. I've been a franchisor. I do so many things in franchising and passive investing. Dude, I, I love this. All right. So for somebody listening, like obviously, I think many of us get the idea of what a franchise is, but like, what, what is a franchise? Why would somebody want to do that over having their own business? Well, there's two reasons. One, it's, it's a, the person that's not ready to be like a real entrepreneur, true entrepreneur, it's an easier way to get into business with somebody else helping you, a, like a mentor. They've got the systems down. They've got the processes. They are there to help you. So it's just safer. I think it's a safer way to do it. You pay for it. You pay for it through a fee and royalties, but that's why a lot of people get into it. The other side of it are people that are entrepreneurs. They're just like, that's in their blood and they've scaled businesses before. It's easier to find a partner that can do the operational part of franchising. So you can buy a franchise, put in that operational partner, they're trained by the franchisor, and you can just continue to scale it that way. So it's easier for, for like the true entrepreneur to be more hands-off in a franchise business because the franchisor trains the team and trains that manager or business partner. So I love this. So now you teach people um, how to do this. Now, do you do, uh, do you teach people how to set up their own franchises or do you teach them how to, uh, you know, get a franchise and grow it? I've done both of those. I've done a lot in the past, like how to get a franchise, how to buy a franchise, the ways to do it, things to avoid, um, and just really open up their eyes to the whole franchise buying process. So I've done a lot of that in my past and I have friends that continue to do that. Um, so I've got a lot of resources on, on how to do that. But really what I spend my time doing now is helping franchisors grow and scale the franchisor side of things. And one of the things that I spend a lot of time in is 
with them is how do you take somebody that wants to buy a franchise, buy your franchise and make sure they're the right fit? Because for a franchisor to be really successful, they need really happy, successful owners or franchisees. And a lot of people, when they first start getting into business as a franchisor, they don't have a lot of interest. And so they start allowing just anybody to buy and just anybody buying a business and starting a business is not a good recipe to have a really strong franchisor. So I like to help emerging brands get in there, do things the right way, help the founder sell franchises, bring on really good owners, and then really help them scale that brand as they continue to grow, ultimately for probably a, a really nice exit with really nice multiples. <laughs> All right, so I love it. Okay, so let's just say I'm a business owner. And I don't know, let's, let's use a good example. Let's say I'm a fitness expert. So I'm a fitness coach and I've decided, you know what, I want to turn my fitness company into a franchise. I'd love to have a whole bunch of people pay for my franchise so they can become a fitness coach using my brand in their city. What would be the first step? Let's just say first step. First step. If you're a, if you are a fitness person, that's really good at fitness, maybe a coach, you may not be really, that may not be a good model for a franchise or if you own a fitness business or you're a coach of coaches, then you have a business that somebody else could plug and play into. So if you have a, a, a business that's in fitness and it's a gym, it's a personal training studio, whatever it is, you, um, a lot of people do, they, they think like, is this a franchise? And then you as the owner think, man, this should be a franchise. I should create this as a franchise. First question or statement that I have for somebody like that, the question in the statement is, do you, are you really good at the business and do you enjoy the business or do you want to really get into a different business? And that business business is franchising. And now instead of growing your fitness business, you are now helping other people become successful business owners. And so it's a very different business model. Someone that's really good at baking cakes, game shop, fitness studio, they want to do, they want to just like replicate that around the country as, as a way to scale. But if you do that through franchising, then now you are responsible for other people that probably many of them have never owned a business before helping them be successful business owners. And that can be really difficult. So the first kind of thing to think about is if that business owner wants to create a franchise and they want to help other people grow and scale businesses, franchising might be a really good thing for them. Okay. I love that. So how does somebody get into it? Like, I'm like, okay, cool. I've decided I want to do this. What's the first step? First step is to, you create an FDD, a franchise disclosure document, and you can hire an attorney for that for 30, 40 grand, or you can hire, uh, there's other companies out there that help you actually uh, start a franchise like that. So they can put together your ops manual, put together a not as robust franchise disclosure document and help you with some of the marketing and things like that. So you can do it um, go to like a consultant where they'll do everything for you, or you can uh, just uh, kind of piece it together. And I have, I, and I help people with that. I don't do it for them, but I point people in the right direction. So I either point them to a consultant or I point them to an attorney. If they want to do more of the work and, and, and get somebody to write their ops manual, have someone help them with franchise sales, have someone help them with the different aspects of their business, then I would, then I would just kind of piece it all together with the best of the best, the best attorney, the best marketing people, the best vendors. If you want to do it kind of on the cheap, uh, less expensive, dip your toes into it, then you can hire a consultant that will kind of generically put it together for you for about, you know, 30 to $50,000. But now you are a franchise officially, but man, that doesn't mean 
you're going to be successful. That just means you have the ability to sell franchise locations to people that want to buy. I, I, I totally makes sense. So there's a flip side, because I know some of the people listening to this, well, I don't even have a business yet. I'm thinking about starting a business. And I know, as you mentioned earlier, that franchising or becoming or taking a franchise could be a great way to start. And I've heard that there's a few uh, low-cost franchises that may be a good way to start. And I figured I would run some of these by you to get your expert opinion on what you think about these. So this is... All right. Do you want my, like, my fluffy, nice opinion or my like no, rip-it-apart no. opinion? Or what do you oh, want? I, like I've got somebody listening to this, like, I want to have a business. I don't know how to start, but Eric Van Horn just told me that this could be a good way to start if I'm not entrepreneurial yet. And I'm going to, this, this was a little bit of super sleuthing on the internet. I found like the easiest or the cheapest. Let's one. do it, man. I don't know what you have up your sleeve, but I, I think this will be fun. All right. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So number one, at number one, we have cruise planners, a franchise representative of American Express. Right. Why do you recognize uh, cruise, com- uh, cruise planning companies in the country? Um, apparently, it's a franchise fee of $10,995. What do we think about that? Man, anytime I think of a small franchise fee, it kind of concerns me. Like, why is it so small? Um, so that's number one concern. It might be kind of like a bunch of part-timers. And so if it's a part-timer that's coming in um, and a side hustle, side business, that might be the thing. Or they might be attracting people that just, you know, want to have little businesses. So I would, um, I would find out if the owners are part-time or full-time and how much money they're actually making. And if that is congruent to what you want to make and your expectations of time in the business, then it might be a good thing. So I, the, you know, that's kind of wishy-washy. I don't know that business very well. Um, but that would be my first concern. It's very low. So how how much support do they actually give you? And then obviously I'd have industry concerns. Yeah, totally makes sense. Okay. So let's try the next one. So I had a buddy that did this one. So I'm just, I'm curious what you think. Super glass windshield repair. The fee is from 5,000, 17,000. Um, with a few weeks of training, any business owner can learn the necessary skills to become a super glass windshield repair franchise owner. Uh, based in Orlando, they focus on mobile service, allowing them to keep pace with customer demands. What do we think about that? Man, I think if a, if it's that person that um, needs that franchise for what I said, they need somebody to kind of hold their hand, then that's probably a good thing. Where I don't like things like that is if if you start to get geographically locked in, if you can only service Round Rock or Pflugerville or only uh, South Austin, I would want to have the entire market that would, I would be okay doing something like that because what is the barrier to entry to something like that? There's very little barrier to entry. I would probably at the same time, if I'm serious about buying that one, Adam, I would also Google how to do this on your own and then go pay someone to teach you how to do it. Because now you have something that you might be able to turn into a franchise or a licensing thing at some point. So if I'm looking at something like that, what I would also say, like how easy to do on my own. And is there really any benefit to the brand or like in, in the network of the franchise, or is there a licensing thing? Or here's the other thing with something like that suppliers in those um, types of businesses usually offer a lot of training. So I would try to find suppliers that might be extremely helpful. So that's my opinion on that little one. What, what do you think? Right. I know. I think, I think it's great. And I love what you said, because I often think it's about franchise. Like before you jump in, 
it's worth seeing how much would it cost to teach myself and then just do it yourself. Right. Like, and it's funny, my buddy that did the windshield repair, that's what he actually did. He didn't actually do the franchise. He just learned how to do it. And he set himself up at a local gas station. He rented $50 a week for a little uh, space outside a gas station where he did uh, windshield repair. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Last one. And then I've got, I've got a question for you. Uh, the mosquito squad, 15,000 to 32,000. Most people think of mosquitoes as an annoyance, but some are danger to health. But could saving your neighbors from this backyard pest be your ticket to a profitable business? Um, so they've got 200 franchise locations and 50 million in sales. The franchise fee is cheap. And Mosquito Squad has third-party lender relationships to help facilitate financing. So I suppose you, you, you exterminate mosquitoes with this one. You're, you kill mosquitoes and you save people from West Nile. So, yeah. I mean, you get to kill things and save things. So it's a beautiful <laughs> business. Um, I know people in the mosquito business. So it's only good if you want to make a lot of money. Like if you like making a lot of money, it's really good. Um, and I know people that are not in that one specifically, but they have a seven figure plus businesses in the mosquito outdoor mosquito killing business and brand makes a difference. And having, um, so I'm a big fan of the mosquito business. I'm a big fan of the franchises, uh, the franchisors in the mosquito uh, killing world. So it's a really cheap franchise fee. Here's the thing, Adam, for the listeners, a lot of that stuff, they'd like to put in a really low number for different reasons, it's usually more expensive to start up. And if you are looking at a franchise that is really inexpensive, I would also look at some of the ones that are the most expensive to see if where you have a better ROI. Do you have a better ROI on a $10,000 investment or better ROI on a $100,000 investment? And, and it's not, so just don't look at the fee. Think about the, think of that as an investment and where you're going to get the most ROI out of that initial investment. But I do like the mosquito killing business, but one other thing, it, it, different markets are, are, there's different rules, different regulations, and that has an impact on the kind of money that you can make in that business. That's really, really good. That's such interesting information. All right. So you mentioned something that I want to touch on, which is franchising versus licensing. Is it worth, like, is one worth the other? What's like the way up? What's, what's the, 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 so thing, the difference? here's the thing. Like it's from, if I, if you have a business, it's, it's, I like being able to license it, but to do that and to have control over like the brand and, and really being able to help the, the owners, you, you automatically go from a, a licensing model to a franchising model in the eyes of the government, like legally. And so there's, a, there's, there's really no gray area. So you just have, most of the time when you're thinking about having owners, supporting owners, giving them direction, then you are, you know, you're probably going to be a franchise. What I like about franchising though, is the multiples when you go to sell as a franchise or you have a business, you, you bring in a bunch of franchisees, they're really happy, they're successful. You go to private equity, the multiples on that can be 10, 10 to 22X. Wow. And so just for people listening, like the, the more common multiples you see in the world nowadays, like five to seven. So to, to have something that can jump up that high, I mean, you really only see that in like AI, software, um, software as a service, that kind of thing. So that's, that's great and good, uh, very, very good feedback. We'll just keep right. that a secret though. Cause, yeah. cause I love, I love that about franchising. So we can't let too many people know. Yeah. Got it. I just, uh, I, I won't put it uh, anywhere other than this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just for a few, few hundred thousand people to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so no dude, so this is really interesting. Now I, I want to take a shift. Um, so just so you guys know, like me and Eric are buddies. We've hung out a bunch of times 
And uh, just recently, uh, we, we connected on something pretty unique. Um, as many of my listeners know, uh, we generated over half a million dollars to help orphans in Ukraine uh, during the invasion uh, where, where Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, but Eric, uh, Eric won up me a little bit and uh, you went boots on the ground, dude. How was that? I went up to you a couple different ways. Not I, 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 I won, I two up to you. One, I went boots on the boots on the ground and I'll talk about that. But then I had another buddy that I need to introduce you to. He's in both Austin and, um, and Colorado, but he got inspired because I went and he raised over a million dollars when he went out there. So I need to get you guys connected. You guys, you guys would like, like each other, but yeah, I went boots on the ground. Um, I want to see what things were like there. And I didn't realize it at the time, Adam. I mean, I think we're a, a, a week or two into the war when I when I landed about two weeks. And I thought, you know, there's going to be all this stuff that's actually happening in terms of resources from the states, from NGOs, non-government organizations and charities on the ground helping in a very organized fashion. But, you know, I realized once I got there, there were very few Americans out there. And I went to visit all, about four different borders between Warsaw and Krakow and some small borders, some large borders, but there is, it wasn't extremely organized. And a lot of the, a lot of the big aid, aid organizations hadn't really been able to get there. And, um, and I just realized there was a lot of chaos going on. There wasn't, it wasn't, uh, we think we have supply chain issues getting stuff into the States. Yeah. Like there's, there's supply chain issues trying to source stuff into Poland to get into Ukraine. And the way, the, the, the way that they got things into Ukraine was, was, is just wild. So yeah, I went boots on the ground to see what was going on, see how I could help. And then how I could come back and let other people see how to help. But it was an amazing experience. I was on the ground for 10 days. So we can go anywhere and everywhere that you want with that. That's crazy. So what, what was it like? I mean, did you see any action? Did you see any of the craziness or was it all? Um, the, so I didn't go into Ukraine. And at that time, the, the uh, Lviv had not been bombed. It's only been, I think it's been bombed twice now. Or And, and, um, and it's not like the other areas. But the thing, when you're on the ground, um, anywhere when you're close to action, whatever that action is, you see things from a different, different eye. You're, you know, even when uh, president Biden went there, like he, he said some, some stuff, but it was from emotion. Cause he'd been spending time with these refugees. When I was with the refugees holding, helping carry their luggage from, uh, from the border, hearing their stories, talking to them, talking to other people that have been around them, them showing me things on their cell phones. Like, all of a sudden it gets real very fast. And, you know, when you see someone that had just experienced death or experienced uh, um, just lack of food, lack of resources, leaving their father, leaving their, their brother or their husband behind. Like I saw women and children everywhere in this train station and you wouldn't think anything of it. If you're just, if it's just normally big, man, there's a lot of women and children around, but when you're around it, you're like, I know why there's a lot of women and children around and it just hits you. Um, I saw, um, you know, I'd get the videos I'd, and I would talk to my friends that were in Ukraine and they'd be like, yeah, I just saw, I just saw a video of a tank um, running over two kids in a playground. And so the stories that we're starting to hear now in the States were some of those things were things that I was hearing um, in from different people that had actually seen it with their own eyes. So, um, yeah, it was just really, um, and then there's so many people doing so many good things there, you know, like, like you getting supplies and me getting supplies. And, but when you're there, like 
it, I, I feel like I didn't do a whole lot when I was there because there are people right now that are risking their lives every day going in to rescue orphans. Like they're going in to get orphans that are about ready to die. And these aren't just orphans that have been orphans for five years. These are orphans, um, a lot of them, because their dad was just killed or their mom was just killed. So there are new war orphans that are, that are you know, don't know, they, they're just trying to find food and shelter. And so there's people going in and rescuing them. And, um, and then here's the biggest thing. When I was um, um, talking to some folks that are doing a lot of the rescuing, the big, the big issue is trafficking. Trafficking is a huge issue. And, and I, and I, and I met some traffickers, I'm sure of it, just because looking back hindsight, knowing what to look for, like that's what they were doing. And, um, and some of my new friends were just like that. They're like, this is a trafficker's dream. This is a, a, a young woman, a child's worst nightmare. And so it's just, um, you know, great to be able to help support the people in there that are actually doing things to help people. And I'll kind of wrap up with this. Um, I saw a, a need, people would donate money to me and I paid for my own way. I paid for my flights, hotels, food, all of that. But people would donate money, whether it was $20 or $2,000, I got to be the conduit of that money. So it was really cool, just like you. Like I don't, I don't get any benefit getting any of this money. I just get to put it to use. And so being the person that could, that knew the places to buy a van, to buy a first aid kits or whatever it was to deploy that money to good use. It was uh, it was great to be able to do that. So it was an incredible experience, heartbreaking, amazing. So kind so many different kinds of emotions, buddy. Dude, I, I freaking love this, man. So this is great. So, so what are you focused on nowadays? What's like more, more your thing, the thing that gets you all fired up at the moment? Uh, a couple of things, two things. I love helping franchisors uh, create sales processes to get really good franchisees to scale their businesses so they can exit to private equity at the highest multiples that they can so their franchisees can be served better with more money and more experience. And then passive investing. Like I love passive investing, buying back my time. You know, the whole Robert Kiyosaki uh, mm -hmm. cash flow quadrant, you go from employee to self-employed to business owner to investor. I spent a lot of time working on that investor quadrant with my buddy, Justin Donald. And so we've got a mastermind for passive investing and it's just been a lot of fun doing that. And, um, and just seeing and helping other people get into passive investing. Cause there's so many, you know, this, there's so many strategies that the ultra wealthy have that the normal wealthy person or successful person could use, could do, could implement, but they just don't know about it. So I love, uh, I love learning those strategies, teaching those strategies and, um, and helping other people get like just a ton of time freedom back. I love that. Dude. Yeah. Justin Donald's a great guy. Actually, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Need to, uh, Need to connect with him again. It's been a while, but he's a, he's a good egg. So if somebody wants to find out more about you, where could they, uh, where can they find you? Really two, two ways, uh, tribe of investors. So tribe of investors is that passive investing. There's some good resources on there. And then, uh, franchise secrets, franchise secrets is my podcast. And, um, you know, there's, if you're looking to buy a franchise, uh, franchise your business or you're a franchisee, like there's so many just free resources there, Adam. Mm -hmm. So that's a good place to connect. Dude, I absolutely love that. All right. So just to round up, I always ask everybody at the end of every podcast, um, if you were going to say one thing that smart businesses do, in your words, smart businesses do what? I would say smart businesses create systems and processes to scale. 
Dude, Eric, thank you ever so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Guys, I 100% urge you to go and check out exactly what Eric's doing. If you're interested, never run a business and you like the idea of doing it with a, a lot of handholding, franchising may be the way. Or if you already have a business um, and you're thinking about ways that you can grow and scale it through the use of franchising, then I literally cannot recommend anybody other than Eric. Uh, he's the best person I found to go and do it. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Dude, I appreciate you, man. I love how you give to so many people, man. Thank you for what you've done for Ukraine and just all the business people out there and everything that you've done for my, uh, my community. Appreciate you, buddy. Absolutely. Appreciate you too, man. Be safe. Thank you. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.